0: Welcome back to the Locker Room Podcast. This is episode 14. I am your host, Bradley Pokowitz. And today, I'm joined by Raul Fernandez. Mr. Fernandez, how are you today? Great. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Thank you, too. Um, obviously, I'm very excited for this. I think we'll have a great discussion. Uh, to start off, for those of you who don't know, Mr. Fernandez graduated from the University of Maryland in 1989. Shortly after graduating, he founded Proxicom and grew it into a Fortune 500 company. Mr. Fernandez is currently the vice president and owner or vice chairman and owner of Monumental Sports Entertainment, a private partnership that owns the Washington Wizards, Capitals, Mystics, and MBA's 2K Wizards Gaming District, amongst other brands. Mr. Fernandez is also the special advisor to General Atlantic and Carrick Capital, a growth equity firm that has a combined $40 billion in assets under management. He is also an active investor in disruptive early stage technology companies and serves on a public board of directors for Broadcom, GameStop, and DXS. Throughout his career, uh, he has been an active philanthropist in the DC area, focusing primarily on education reform in Washington, DC region. Mr. Fernandez, how has the University of Maryland led you to your success today?
1: You know what, it was a great education. Um, when, I, when I went in, I wasn't sure what, what I wanted to major in. I actually started in engineering and could not keep up with the level of competition that was around me. Um, so I, I quickly realized that and, um, and, and then decided, look, I, I wanna understand how the world works. Economics was a great platform for doing that and the different classes I could take. So the school was fantastic diversity, um, just feeling welcome, people from obviously all over the world and backgrounds. Um, and it, it really helped you know, shape me into you know, a, a young person that wanted to, to go out and find other challenges. And I was able to do that in large part because of the University of Maryland.
0: Yeah, that's great. I definitely know a little about your background, but kind of we're gonna take it a little back before college. So growing up in Silver Spring, um, is there a moment or memory that kind of shaped what you wanted to do with your life? I know that you have like your background you just spoke about. So was there something specific that kind of sparked that passion? Yeah,
1: you know, just really appreciating the sacrifices my parents made, They're first generation immigrants. They came here with, with very little support um, other than their education and, and their drive and their will and willingness to, to, to create a better life for my sister and myself. And really appreciating the hard work that went into giving us the opportunity to go to school, to go to university, um, to have uh, trips that got us educated in other cultures, et cetera. And, you know, honoring that investment, honoring that love from them, honoring that passion from them in a way that was positive, um, not just um, doing well, but but giving back uh, was, was what really, you know, was formative for me in my, my early years. And fortunately, they were able to see a lot of it. And my mom's still here. so um, So she continues to see it. So it's been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, definitely a great experience to kind of show how you're now giving back to others. And we'll touch on that a little later on. But kind of now going to the start of your career, uh, when you were launching ProxyCom, you first met Ted Leonsis actually on an airplane, uh, who at the time worked for AOL. So I know now Ted Leonsis is now the CEO of Monumental Sports. And you guys have worked together for nearly 25 years, I think a little more than that, actually. So is there one memory uh, that stands out when working with him or like one thing that you loved uh, with like your partnership with him?
1: Yeah. So let me just talk about two things. One, um, it's winning the Stanley Cup. I mean, being there after so many years of getting close, competing, I think one of the things you realize in sports as opposed to business, in almost every company I'm involved in, I can pick up the phone, get on an email, get on a Zoom and, and try to help, right? Try to help them internally, try to help them externally on sales. there's only so much you can do in sport. you can't get in the game you physically cannot make a difference that night or in that game and one of the things that that is really sobering is um when you're knocked out and of the playoffs and you don't get a chance to compete for the championship you realize it's 365 days until you will have another chance to be at that moment to have a chance to advance forget getting there so just how long it is in between those opportunities to win in sports and also the lack of direct control is, is a combination of feelings that is truly unique. Uh, fortunately, we've, we've been on the winning side and unfortunately we've also been on the losing side. So I've had a lot of, of you know, depressing game sevens, but you just get up and, and, and you start over again. But, um, but I think one of the things that, that uh, reminds me and, and it's a great lesson for, for, for people as they start their careers, I As I, was I, I say, the last time Ted was in coach, I, m- I met him in the mid 90s. And, and we were in the back of an airplane. We were coming back uh, from a city that had just held like a, a very small convention for internet technology. And this is where the, the words worldwide web browser, e commerce, all brand new, not in the vernacular, not in not in and, and these two gentlemen in front of me. We're, were talking all about it, and they were talking about launching a marketplace, e-commerce, again, things that, that weren't common at the time, actually weren't even happening at the time. And I handed him my card, and I said, hey, we just finished working with, with um, MCI launching uh, a secure commerce site at the time, and uh, would love to help, you know, any way possible. He gave me his card. And five days later, one of his vice presidents called me, and we launched the first AOL.com and the next five versions of it, um, you know, thereafter. So, you know having an opportunity and being able to very quickly say hi you know love to help or love to work with you are are, we 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 get those all the time so always be ready for it always have your quick speech or your quick pitch ready um always be polite and uh and don't be afraid um because that was literally a life-changing introduction we've been friends we've been business partners um you know and and we share so many values so so that was really you know life-changing
0: yeah, definitely that one moment that spark, that kind of like just to go out there, go out of your way to introduce yourself, obviously made a huge change on your uh, career. And kind of one of the things you just said was like starting all over fresh. Um, I know this NHL season was obviously a little longer than uh, usual due to COVID. And obviously the draft was what last week. So um, kind of the new start is already happening. And I know that you guys are definitely getting pumped ready into the next season, but um, was there one thing specifically that like you guys did in the off season after um, going from the season, moving on to like now that you've already started doing to move forward?
1: Yeah. So it, look, both leagues and NHL, NBA, uh, the WNBA um, have, have all done things as they've moved forward that, that, that are in common. One been super thoughtful Two, been data driven um, three shared as much as um, of experiences, best practices, what's working, what's not, not just internally across the clubs, but frankly across the leagues. Like we're watching very closely how football is pulling off getting humans in in stadiums, whether they're doing it in suites or whether they're doing it scattered around. We're sharing a lot of information. Obviously the bubble was super successful in terms of health um, for both the NHL, the NBA and the WNBA. And, um, and, and, you know, we're trying to balance getting back to some normal rhythm with obviously health uh, and wellness being a top concern for everybody, our players, our coaches, and our fans. Um, so we, we are literally evaluating it on a day-to-day basis. We look forward to obviously great news and great results that should be coming you know, over the next few months with regards to multiple vaccines, with regards to multiple treatments that could have an impact. Um, but it is trying to weigh you know, a very delicate balance of wanting to get back uh, I think we all have a desire to have more human interaction. We think there's a lot of pent-up demand for people to go see great sports. I got to go to the bubble, and I got to actually, I, I realized the other day, I was one of the few people, I think, you know, since March that has actually seen a live game, uh, and I got to see the Wizards play uh, the Milwaukee Bucks there in the, in the bubble. But, um, it, it, you know, it's a delicate balance, and, and we're working. And then, obviously, the mechanics of okay, whenever the start date is back it up eight, 10 weeks to, to be able to give people the ramp up time. Exactly. But, but I think the, the leagues, the teams, the players, everybody's on the same page. Everyone wants to, to get back, but we all have a lot of issues that we've got to be thoughtful of and careful of. So, um, you know, it's, it's a day by day evolving situation and, uh, and you know the good news is that we got through and we finished the seasons. We crowned champions, which was a big goal of ours. You know, uh, as we were discussing in the April, March, April, May time period, and then we we timed it correctly, right? I think one of the things, obviously, that we were we were very very um, sensitive to was while we needed testing capability, we also wanted to make sure that it, it wasn't having any impact in terms of general availability of testing. So. It's, it's a lot of different issues that need to be balanced. And, uh, and hopefully we can continue to do that. And hopefully once the world finishes rebooting, we can all be
0: back together. Again. Exactly. That's the hope. So now for me, I'm definitely very interested. I'm sure many of our uh, members and obviously listeners are also interested about what your day-to-day is like, because we don't always get to you know, talk to someone who's the owner and vice chairman of such a big company. So kind of walk me through what your day-to-day looks like.
1: Sure. So one of the areas that I focus the most on um, in, in Monumental is really large uh, revenue opportunities with global sponsors. And, and I'll just give you an example of, of something that really took up a lot of my time. Really in the back half of last year through, through March, when we drafted Rui Hachimura, the first Japanese player ever drafted in the NBA draft, we, we knew we were getting a great player. We did our homework. We, we, we knew you know, his potential. We knew uh, obviously everything that he had done. Uh, in college, um, but what came as an incredible upside surprise was the amount of uh, following that he had uh, in Japan. Um, the first press conference, literally, I think we had twenty, you know, United States-based uh, correspondents, you know, digital papers, magazines, etc., and there must have been forty to fifty Japanese-based correspondents there. And you really quickly realized that, wow, you know, he is a first in terms of a first in the NBA. He is very gifted. He's a great ambassador, not just for himself, his country, um, his joint culture, um, but but he is poised beyond his his days, his ages. And, um, and so we started getting uh, inquiries from Japanese companies that we would have never gotten had it not been for, you know, this great player that was on our team. So um, spent a lot of time, it probably took six trips to japan with our president um, in between the drafting and and frankly i think my last trip i came back in late january so right right before things started shutting down Um, and we have been successful in in bringing nec on as a as a major corporate sponsor again japanese company but that's really been built on other relationships that because we're in washington dc because it's so international because our audience our policymakers and correspondents on cable comp- cable networks, et cetera. Um, and, and because we stand for great, great values in terms of our team and as an organization, we've had great international partnerships like uh, Alibaba, Etihad, and others. Um, so I spent a lot of time on, on those um, larger partnership opportunities um, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's working, you know, kind of in your dream job, uh, and and having a great uh, time working with great people too. That's the other thing that I appreciated then, and I appreciate now. And I miss, I miss being able to, <laughs> to actually physically be with many of them. But um, it's a lot of fun when you when you get to work with great smart people, and you're all, you know, kind of going in the same direction.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we all miss that human interaction just a little bit, uh, even though at sometimes you might not want it, but. We definitely need more of that going on. So now going back to August, uh, Wizards Gaming District took the NBA 2K League Championship. Uh, For those of you that don't know out there, Monumental Sports also owns Caps Gaming and Team Liquid. Um, So kind of going off of that, where do you see the future of esports and how is Monumental uh, changing the industry moving forward? Sure.
1: So look, we were very early on we, we knew that it was a, a trend, especially with, with the younger demographic that was there, wasn't going to go away. And and we wanted to figure out how to embrace it, how to become part of it with our NBA 2k team. You know, they, they successfully competed in the league and they won uh, 2 million uh, people viewed uh, that championship, which was great, especially when you, when you think this wasn't around a couple of years ago. Um, and, and, uh, and we think that, that, because of the brand and direct affiliation, specifically with let's say NBA 2K, but are um, building the ability to bring people together to see tournaments. Um, we, we've got unique combination of, of assets that should make us very complementary with our e-gaming uh, initiatives. We also have direct and indirect investments in companies like Axiomatic that own Team Liquid and Cloud9 and a few others. So. Um, it's been interesting to have meetings because you can see how they're figuring out, you know, they are going through what our leagues went through in 50 years, 75 years. They're going through it in, in, in months. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it, it is fascinating and it's great to have interactions and to be able to share what we've learned and also to be able to figure out how they fit in our ecosystem. Right. How they fit in our building, how they how we can bring things and how we can leverage, you know, all of the customer engagements that we have um and and activate around that um so it we're excited very early days as you know all this is is just forming um
0: and and we're happy to
1: be at, at, at the beginning of it
0: yeah i know i went to uh this your uh, symposium two weeks ago actually i think it was the day before we were actually originally supposed to meet yeah. and i was surprised at all the different stuff that kind of go behind esports and sports betting so kind of want to shift it now to the sports betting aspect so Over the summer, William Hill became actually the first ever sports book in a U.S. sporting complex, which is now located at Capital One Arena. Um, So how will this expansion change the fan experience once fans are allowed back in the arena?
1: So the old area that used to be the Green Turtle is the area, plus some additional uh, real estate, is going to be the William Hill sports book uh, inside the arena. Um, In March, as, as you know, we were on pause um, we were moving very quickly through demolition and 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 building that out and obviously we've we've had to stop that and that's been delayed but but that continues to move forward in terms of the build out of the restaurant the destination and hopefully by the end of this calendar year we'll be ready to go and just waiting for the for the authorities to be able to let us uh, have more people in there but but i think what uh, what's been great um, is that uh, in the interim you had to find uh, ways to, to try to activate. And since we had everything logistically set up, meaning we had our licenses, we had um, the ability to actually take bets in the building. So we, we had the basics set up. We essentially did a pop-up. So we did a soft launch in August where we had two season ticket holders come and place the first bets ever. And what we used was our area, our will call area. So where you would go pick up your physical tickets or buy you know, tickets for events. Um, we, we converted those windows into areas where you can come in and place bets as well as some kiosks. And it's amazing. So very soft launch in August and then um, September and October. And in October, that pop-up makeshift operation uh, was the second largest sports book for William Hill outside of Vegas. And so you can clearly see that people want to engage um, and, and as we saw more and more sports come online, um, you saw obviously more demand, right? And when college football came back, when professional football, you, you just kept seeing more and more. And now you can drive by there at, at almost any hour, and you can see lines around the building of people waiting, you know, to get to go in and, and place a bet. So it's an, it's an incredible opportunity to kind of unite passion with the ability to not just bet on the outcome of a game, but bet within the game. Cause that's obviously one of the, one of the things that, that is getting uh, a lot of traction. We've got a great partner in William Hill and they're making actually a conversion because they have decided to move forward with Caesars, So those two companies will, uh, will become one, but, but you know, the, the soft launch has been great and we're looking forward to the, the full launch and, and the destination is going to be terrific. If you're a, ha- a fan of Premier League soccer, you'll be able to get in there early Saturday morning and watch games and bet on games. If you're a fr- fan of, of cricket during the championships, you'll be able to get in there super late at night and bet. Um, so, again, it'll be it'll be an awesome destination and we're so looking
0: forward to it. Yeah, I'm sure we're all looking forward to get back in uh, to the stadium and seeing this all play out. So one of the things going off of that is COVID-19 right now, impacting the sports industry and how fans can engage with their favorite teams. Uh, you kind of hit on it a little bit with a different experience, um, but post pandemic, what will sports look like and how will the fan experience change?
1: Yeah, no, great question. One of the things that, that, um, that, that, going back in the bubble and 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 then doing uh competition unfortunately without fans it allowed us to experiment with a lot of different camera angles i don't know if you saw the one camera that that you know kind of went almost side by side on the player yeah and 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 it really you know just like online education right that got got accelerated by 10 years (laughs) in, in one month um, it forced us to experiment. It forced us to look at different ways of, of consuming, of broadcasting different camera angles. Um, so I think we're going to learn and take all of that, not just for anything in arena that we can enhance, maybe, you know, on your on your device, especially as 5G comes online. Um, but but we're also in the near term. We also need to make sure that we're balancing, you know, the right safety protocols. Right. So I, I think it will be a ramp up. Um, we're involved in other companies uh, that are doing things in and around the testing space. So Clear, if you've gone to the airport and you've gone through the Clear lane, if you register biometrically, your fingerprint or your eyes allows you to kind of go through security so you don't have to show your ID. They have now added a testing validation. So if I go and get tested and that testing site is affiliated with Clear, Clear will validate that my test is good for the next 24 or 48 hours. So it's a third party that, that kind of says, yes, check the box. Uh, I am validating that the, the test is good for whatever period of time. So we, we envision needing to rely on that. Uh, we're looking at all sorts of things, you know, as a league and, and as an organization that could be feasible. you know, is, is same day testing both feasible from an accuracy standpoint, a turnaround standpoint and a cost standpoint? And again, all these things are, are moving items. But, um, but a lot of factors and, and you know, it's, it's very few times I think in the history uh, of our planet where literally the world is working on it together <laughs> and we're all working on it together. And so as things come up and, and you know, one of the great things both all the leagues that we're involved with uh, are, are international. So, so we are always in the information flow of what other countries are doing where new testing capabilities coming from and, and trying to run those down and see if they're worth going deeper with.
0: Okay. Yeah, we're definitely all around this world right now of everything going on. And I kinda wanna start kind of moving this discussion now over to the current climate that we're all experienced. So on August 26th, uh, the Washington Mystics sent a powerful message to the sports world. Uh, Ariel Atkins had an interview that night and she emphasized that basketball is more than a game. and. Uh, kind of going off of this is before the game was what was discussed internally with their decision to, you know, postpone the game and kind of honor Jacob Blake's memory.
1: Yeah. You know, what what is what was great about all of this um, is the respect that we have from from ownership, from coaches and players to everything that that that, you know, was was. Uh, being brought to us in a way that, that, you know, was so powerful and, and so compelling and so disturbing, obviously. Um, and so all this was organic. It was happening real time. It was being supported real time. Um, it wasn't like somebody had a plan in the morning and, and decided this was like really raw emotion and, 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 and doing something about it. And, um, and then working out as a larger organization. Okay. How are we gonna honor this? What are the options for us to continue to build on on positive change, right? So how can we use our brands or platforms uh, as a messaging uh, platform to drive home messages that needed to be driven home and need to continue to be driven home? Um, And so we made real-time changes and engaged with players, players that are obviously um, super uh, emotional and also desiring just a, a higher level of impact um, and, and it's an ongoing conversation. We've set up matching um, donations for social justice causes. We've supported and been part of marches. We obviously at a league level from a messaging on our jerseys and in basketball, as you know, uh, we're mes- messaging social justice and, and reform and then messaging vote and get out the vote. But we've also tried to think around, you know, how can we not just be messengers? How can we actually be activists that, that have an impact? So. Uh, Capital One Arena is a, is a super center for voting and registration. We're opening it up, uh, obviously working with the district government um, to be able to do that. So just trying to be super thoughtful. Uh, um, and then at both the local level and at the league levels, there's much more organized foundation and, and how, how do we focus dollars to to really make an impact and really drive change. So I, I think it's it's an incredible passion, um, commitment that we all share now and, and we're all energized on waking up every day and saying, hey, what have we done today to uh, to move this forward and, and to, to make the world a better place?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I know you kind of touched on it a little bit about being activists. Um, Natasha Cloud and Bradley Beal, both yep. players under your organizations, have obviously used their platforms a lot to speak out against social justice. Um, so what actions has your organizations taken to support both of them along with their players in continuing this fight?
1: Yeah, no, no, no. So it's both support of the individuals who, who have activated and organized. So it's absolutely supporting them. Um, but it's also listening to what it is that that, that we can do together to, to make a difference. And in some cases, it's been interesting because um, having them and giving and connecting them to, Members in the Senate, members in the House, attorney generals across the country, you know, not just to share and, and get information back and forth, but really at a higher level to figure out how we can all tackle this in a more holistic way. And I think um, what, what we love is that our players are passionate, our players are smart, uh, our players have an a, 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 uh, incredible amount of, of responsibility, and also know that they're blessed, right? That they're blessed as spokespeople that it can have an impact, and uh, and they're using, you know, that blessing in, in a very positive way, and we're being supportive in, in big ways and small ways, small ways, but it's also going to be ongoing. We're going to be figuring this out together along the way, making modifications, making changes, um, and, and really just trying to take what was always a great set of values in the organization, but channel that energy um, and make an impact
0: yeah so i know you also touched on it a little before of other initiatives obviously um i know that you guys recently opened up as a voting center uh maryland is also in uh xfinity has opened up as a voting so what other initiatives has uh, monumental kind of addressed in diversity and both education reform
1: no absolutely so we have been as as individual owners and then as as, as groups of owners connected to charities huge investors in education. I mean, as I mentioned it earlier, right, The the my parents being able to give me an education and TED, we feel that is the key. So a lot of our philanthropic work individually um, has been around helping individuals get, you know, that high school degree first and foremost, and then some type of secondary education, whether that is a four-year degree, a two-year degree, or frankly, you know, specialized training in coding, coding camps, et cetera. Uh, or specialized um, training in other other fields where there's tremendous amount of employment. I sit on the board and uh, Ted is the chairman of DC CAP, uh, which is an organization dedicated to giving scholarships to DC residents going to college. Um, I've been involved in a lot of different charities that again, focus on kids and empowerment and education, including Fight for Children and Venture Philanthropy philanthropy Partners. And one of our, Partners, Lorraine Powell Jobs founded College Track, which is a college preparation and completion program um, that has chapters around the country, and most recently opened in Ward Eight as well as in Prince George's County. Actually, partnering with Kevin Durant uh, in in the facilities where he so we have had you know a history of doing this, but we we also know that we've got to amp it up, get more focused, uh, and and make sure that we're seeing it through the whole life cycle. Right that. It's it's getting them into college, but also making sure that ten years later, that they have got a great opportunity at a great corporation, and that they also continue to uh, to advance. And that and that's yeah. frankly everything that we've lived through. I think has made all of us in our in in our other day jobs. And I'm on a board of a couple of public companies. You know, push back, focus more, get answers. Are we really doing it? Are we talking the talk and walking the walk? Um, so that that new level of sensitivity, I think, uh is 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 across the board and it's healthy and it's positive and hopefully it'll start resulting in, in tangible change.
0: Exactly. Um, I know that you guys have done a lot and we definitely, I'm sure everyone else appreciates all the initiatives that yourself and along with your companies have uh done in order to enact change. So now we're gonna do a short little segment called the Maryland Minute. This is something that we like to do with all of our Maryland guests. Uh, we're going to ask a few rapid fire questions and they're going to be all based on your experiences and memories at the University of Maryland. OK, so first and foremost, what is your favorite memory at UMD? Oh, wow. Football game. Uh, I can't remember the year,
1: but I think Frank Wright came on. It was the bo- size and Frank Wright where he had the biggest comeback in college football history at the time. And then he went on to play in Buffalo and I remember watching a Buffalo game where he had the biggest comeback in, in, in pro spin NFL and going, Oh my God, I was there in college, you know, and they were mentioning the college game. And I remember I was there in college. So a uh, great football memory.
0: Great. Yeah. Now, now we're watching a different turp out in uh Buffalo. We got some fun yes. digs there. Exactly. Up the league. exactly. Um, next favorite college park restaurant. There's always a fun one to ask. <laughs>
1: All right, favorite place I ate at was uh, the co-op uh, that had actually really great veggie food, and, and, um, but that was on campus. I, I don't think the, the favorite spot that I went to, I'm not sure if they served food, but they definitely served beer. Um, it was the Vu. so that, that, that's, uh, that's number one on my list.
0: Yeah, that's always that's always a fan favorite among our uh, older <laughs> alumni. Uh, I know we had Jim Purchin right. say the same. We don't got the view, the booze not here anymore, but we got seastone uh, yeah. now. So little little change of scenery, but same same purpose. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then lastly, favorite all time Maryland athlete. Oh wow, um,
1: I would say just because it you know the impact of the of the championship, Juan Dixon um to me is is you know just bringing it home and and, and getting that championship i think it was 2002 um is uh is, is amongst many many deserve the title but but
0: that that's mine yeah it's always a heavily debated question because we got a lot yeah. of pro turps and especially some on the rise now so uh absolutely love seeing different uh perspectives different kind of years because for our generation you know, we didn't grow up watching some of these hall of famers yeah. in even like before, like we got to, you know, interview Len Elmore and he kind of talked us through what was going on when he played and the players he was surrounded by as his favorite. So obviously it's great to learn more about a uh, turp history while we do this. Okay. <laughs> that's and, great. Yeah. And then before we wrap up this amazing uh, discussion, I kind of want to open this up to you for any advice you want to give to college students. Um, either have an interest in pursuing a career in sports business or as entrepreneur like what would you want to give them that you didn't know when you were in college
1: yeah you know the pace of change is so fast and i think even if you grew up you know um now and you're 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 literally living it you you appreciate how quickly technology moves and and how quickly new platforms and new ways of interacting move and i think one of the things that was cool about that when i started my company um, the internet was brand new. There was no secure commerce transactions. We, we built some of the first, you know, destinations where you could actually do that. Obviously that's super common today, but when something is brand new, it gives you the opportunity to be a disruptor and to actually be a rookie and show up and have, have as much experience or more than the veterans that were there before. And so looking for waves where there's literally new platforms And if you can get out and have one or two clients or one or two experiences that are great, you are way ahead of competitors that may have been in the business for 10, 20, 30 years. Um, And that pace of change has increased and those opportunities, I think uh, are here more often than not. And they also have a greater global impact. So the other piece is don't forget, we really do live in a, in a global environment. Um, So the opportunities I think are endless and it's a great, it's a great time to be young and and it's a great time to be an entrepreneur and um, you know,
0: Again, when we finish
1: rebooting, we'll all, be, uh, we'll all be back in a different gear.
0: Exactly. We all want to kick it back into that other gear. And I know that even our club, we've done a bunch of changes, including implementing uh, this podcast as a new way to interact uh, during COVID. So that's all the time we have for today. Mr. Fernandez, I appreciate you coming to speak Thanks. with me today. And I know I had a great time and I loved hearing your perspective on all of the different discussions that we had here today. Um, Thank you again to all of our listeners out there, especially the few that came to support during our first live webinar. Make sure to follow at SBS underscore UMD on Instagram for future updates on episodes. Thank you again, Raul. Thank you so much. Be safe, everyone. Thank you. You too.